0: It's interesting, we have been studying through this Core 52 stuff for a while. And this morning is one of the first of those chapters that we have come to where I, uh, I'm not saying I disagree with the author. I'm not saying that. Just hear me out, okay? I'm not saying that. However, this is one of the first chapters where I kind of feel like We need to be careful how we talk about this subject, how we engage the subject, how we make this a priority this morning. So I want you to stop and think for just a minute about some people because you'll see the word up there, right? You know what our chapter is about already this morning. It's about mentoring, right? So I want you to think for just a moment, this word, this idea of who has been a mentor to you. And this is something I don't do very often, but does anybody have like a quick response? Normally this is a rhetorical question, just think about it. But I'm gonna go ahead and give you an opportunity. Does somebody remember or think of someone who they look at and see as a mentor in their life? Stop and think for just a minute about some of those people, and this one you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to just think for a second. There are those people in our lives who have shaped us in some way because they gave us information. So, for example, I went to college for ministry and sat in classes where people gave us instruction and lectures and information, right? Do you know how many of those lectures and information I remember at this point? It feels like very few of them, right? But I also remember a guy who I volunteered with named Tom, I was working with Youth for Christ at the time as a volunteer. It was funny because I was a freshman at Olivet Nazarene University and I was not supposed to be working with the high school group uh, because I was a freshman. I was only a year removed from this group of individuals, but the good news is I was from a different place and I was now a college student and it's weird when you grow up with people and they're a year older than you, they don't seem that much older than you, right? But whenever someone new comes in, they're a college kid, you don't know that they're only like six months older than you, and it just feels different, right? So Tom like, got to know me and let me have a chance working with this high school group, and it was a lot of fun working with him, and he was an interesting character, but there were these simple little things, I may have mentioned this before, where Tom would need to go have a conversation with a kid, and like I remember one specifically to this day in very vivid detail. We went to a Barnes and Noble and sat at some of the tables at this Barnes and Noble because this kid was really wanting to kind of like tighten the screws on this Christian religion stuff. I'm not sure I buy this. I have a lot of problems with it. You're coming into our school and you're working with friends of mine and people I know and I just I want to like kind of come and ask hard questions and kind of put you under the microscope a little bit. And Tom graciously accepted the invitation and for some reason he said, hey Nick, you got some free time to come with me on this conversation? Now there's wisdom in that because bringing someone along when you're meeting with a student one-on-one is a wise choice in terms of bringing someone along just because of the crazy world we live in. But there was also this moment where I realized Tom did not have anything for me to do in this meeting. He was just inviting me along in this meeting so I could sit and observe how he handled himself in this meeting. And I remember very few of the lessons and conversations, there are some that really stick out in my mind in terms of class and lectures I sat through and things I did, but there aren't a ton of things where I look and go, that really shaped me into the minister I am today because of that one class or that one lesson but I remember so many details from that night with Tom sitting at a Barnes and Noble and another student that have shaped me. There was another guy I didn't know for a very long time who was actually a college minister of Tessa's at the University of Evansville. I was not going to the University of Evansville, but I had started dating Tessa and tried to visit as much as I possibly could, right? And as I would drive down from Olivet for this five and a half hour drive to go down to Evansville, because if you don't know, Olivet is near Chicago, Evansville is not and so I would try as much as I could to go visit her and make that drive and make a weekend of it and if she would have campus ministry stuff going on I loved being a part of that with her because I was going to a Christian school where it was just expected of course we go to chapel multiple times a week and of course we're all good Christian kids and it just kind of felt like the norm whereas where she was going to school and the campus ministry she was a part of these people were there because they wanted to stay rooted and connected to their faith. It was just so cool being a part of that. And there's this guy named Jeff, who was her campus minister and leading this whole group. And Jeff was one of those guys who I had limited conversation and time with. In fact, sadly, not long into Tessa's time there and in my time dating Tessa, Jeff suddenly passed away of an aneurysm in the middle of the night. Like, it was a really tragic, horrible, sad thing. And I knew him for a very short period of time, but I still look to him as one of these people who I would say kind of mentored me and developed me in some way because the lessons I saw in him, watching him live things out, going with him on this event and be participating in some things I saw him lead, I gleaned and learned and watched and observed and took in a lot of what was going on. It's interesting. When we talk about this word mentor. A lot of times what pops into our mind is very much so like a coach or a teacher or someone who we've entered into a relationship with who is going to pass on their wisdom from themselves to us. And it's interesting, the word mentor, and Mark Moore will admit this in the chapter this week, is nowhere to be found in Scripture. It actually comes from some Greek writing of the day and this idea of this relationship where one is imparting their knowledge on someone else. And this whole thing we kind of get in our mind is there's the person who's got it figured out And then there's the person who needs to learn because we haven't been through the same things they've been been through. Is there value in learning from someone who has experience? Absolutely. Like I am so thankful for those guys in my life in different moments who poured into me or even just let me be around in ways where I could glean. It wasn't necessarily that we were sitting down and I was taking notes from my guru, right? These guys weren't inviting me to sit down so they could just dump all their knowledge and information on me. And sometimes I think that's what we come away with when we start thinking of the idea of a mentor. A mentor is someone who we're gonna sit and learn from, a coach who we're gonna study under, who's gonna teach us their scheme. Football's gearing up and I'm getting excited you know and the Colts are getting ready to go and we went to training camp the other day it's a lot of fun and they got a new defensive coordinator and every time they interview the defense they're talking about this new coach implementing his new scheme and they're all trying to learn this new scheme he's imparting his knowledge of how he thinks defense should work to these guys and they're all trying to pick it up and learn it and we I think mentoring we sometimes think of that I'm gonna get together for coffee or I'm gonna get together with someone and I'm gonna have this relationship where they're gonna impart their knowledge on me, which I think is healthy and good. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just because the word is not in scripture does not mean that's a bad thing. However, I think we gotta tread a little bit lightly with this concept of mentoring. Because again, it's not a concept that is in scripture, and there are lots of other uh, concepts of how this relationship works that are in scripture. And we often talk within the church because we've adopted this mindset of mentoring that it's a really important thing that everybody should be mentoring someone and everyone should be uh, ongoingly mentored by someone else, right? That each of us should have someone above us and behind us that are kind of, we're pulling, we're like investing in and bringing along and someone who's pushing us further up the road, right? Those all seem like healthy and beneficial conversations, but the problem is the way we talk about it we talk about it kind of like it's this thing that should be happening. When I was at Indiana Wesleyan University, because I left all of that Nazarene University and moved to Indiana Wesleyan University, they had a mentoring program. And I was involved in this mentoring program where you signed up to be either a mentor or a mentee. And I was like, I could probably use a little bit of both, but I was an RA, and I got paired with someone else, and I did, like, who was my mentee, someone I was mentoring, but I didn't have anybody that they paired me up with who was supposed to be mentoring me and I always thought this is kind of weird I got one half of this equation but not the other half right I probably could benefit from the one because I felt really lost with this responsibility of mentoring this other guy he was going through a lot of life stuff that I'd never experienced it was back to that whole situation where I'm like about a year older than him he's just another college student in the the school the same way I am and I'm going I'm not sure I have much to offer And we put this expectation, everybody should be mentoring, everybody should be in an ongoing mentoring relationship, and then we feel like, what do I have to offer? What do I have to give? Am I really far enough along? And the way we talk about church, the way we talk about how people grow in their faith, oftentimes we're discussing, or do you have a deep relationship with Jesus? How are you growing in that? How are you studying? What does your study time look like? How are you developing and growing in your quiet time? And we're kind of pushing each other in this way of understanding scripture and we're pushing each other in this, um, how are, you know, how am I holding you accountable to your growth and making sure you're growing and therefore when someone says you should be mentoring someone, how many of us actually feel qualified? Not very many, right? The number dips down. In fact, that's partially why I'm here this morning so that you'll teach me stuff so that I can continue to grow in that. Like, we start to develop a system where a lead pastor or a teacher is kind of, I don't know if I'd call them a mentor, maybe a coach. I don't know. There's this weird relationship where you're a teacher, right? And what knowledge you impart, I will choose whether I want to implement it or not, right? And we take away some of that relationship and accountability. If we talk about the main passage this week, Our main passage comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it's uh, Paul writing to one of these guys who has really followed him. Someone who would, Timothy would see Paul as a mentor. Someone who's poured into him, helped build him up. These letters that he's writing to Timothy are ways he's encouraging him and spurring him on to how do you take care of leading this church? How do you accomplish the things you're supposed to do? And Paul writes to Timothy and says in this passage, And what you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. You have received information and knowledge and wisdom and guidance and scripture and understanding from me. You need to impart that on other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's our memory verse for this week. And I go, yeah, no, that's a good principle. We are always supposed to be sharing the good news that we've learned. The outpouring of the gospel and the good news and the constant sharing of where we're growing and how we're growing should be something that's constantly on our lips. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Like we understand we're always supposed to be prepared, but Paul is specifically training up Timothy to say, how do you lead this church? How do you grow? You constantly are building up other people to show them what it is you've learned and how to continue it once I'm gone. It's the same thing Jesus did, right? He's preparing these guys that he's brought with him so that they are prepared to continue this work when he's not there. But the difference is when we start talking about mentoring, there's these images that pop into our mind. Paul is the mentor. Timothy is the mentee, right? So Paul has all the great wisdom. Timothy has everything to learn from Paul. And Paul is suddenly on this pedestal, right? We start putting that side by side with Scripture, we know that Jesus is constantly warning his disciples, like, listen, if you want to be the first, you've got to be the last. If you want to be the one everyone respects, you should be the one washing feet. If you want to be the one who's really leading this kingdom, you have to be the one who's laying down your life, picking up your cross and surrendering. It's not about getting everybody else to realize how smart and how wise and how brilliant and how good at this you are. And sometimes in this relationship, we do one of two things. We start to say, hey, the people who have it figured out, we're going to elevate, we're going to lift up, we're going to turn our eyes to them. There's these celebrity pastors, there's these people who have it figured out. I need to learn from them. They've written all these great books. They must be the great voice that I need to listen to. And we start to focus our attention and think, wow, they are just so great. I'm learning so much. And all of a sudden, we've elevated them to a position. What's there's two problems with that. Number one, it makes us feel like I'm not so and so, so how could I ever mentor somebody else? How could I ever lead somebody else? I just feel like the people who are pouring into me are so far beyond me, they're like, how could I do that? And at the same time, it puts this pressure on those who feel like they are in that mentor position to feel like they have to have all the answers. So sometimes they start running their mouth when they really have no idea what they're talking about because they don't want to look foolish like they don't have the answers. Or maybe they start just trying to put on this front, like, I have to have it all together because everybody's looking to me for answers, and they feel really insecure because they know they don't have all the answers. Paul even says, hey, I haven't completed this race. Like, I'm pressing forward. I'm trying to reach the goal. I'm trying to understand how it all works, but I don't have it all figured out. Timothy, do the stuff I've been teaching you. I think it's good. But I think Paul even knows, hey, I, I, I think what we're learning here together is good good, but you need to understand that there's challenge in this and that we don't have it all right. And there's moments where we're going to have to rely on something beyond ourselves because we don't have all the answers. So when we start talking about mentoring relationships, I think it's absolutely important that each of us realizes this. I heard it put this way in a missions organization conference call. I think I mentioned this to you once before, that there was this Uh, missionary who's telling this story about this village in this area of the world and this small village was very resistant to Christians coming in they didn't want this group of Christians who kept trying to come in and preach and share and help and serve this community coming in so when they came in he told them if you come in I'm going to lock you up I'm going to put you in this building for the day and you're not going to be allowed to do anything and so they would come and he would lock them up except for the fact that his wife started to hear some of the work they had done in other villages and started to share it with her husband because their son was sick, and he, she had heard that these Christians had prayed for some other people who were sick, and they had gotten well, and maybe we should let them pray for our child who is sick. And so she finally convinces this village leader to let these Christians out to pray over their child. And guess what? Their child's healed. And so his heart is softened. He starts listening to the message, and he receives Christ as his Savior starts to say, I want to follow him. And this village is kind of starting to be transformed and they're starting to listen to the news and it, it, things are being transformed, it's great stuff and the leader comes to the Christians who'd been coming in who made a difference in his life, right? They had just shared the gospel and they said, he said to them hey, my friend, another leader in a village over, his child is sick would you please go and pray for him and his child as well and they said no he's like, well, why not? Like you follow the same Jesus we follow like you go pray for your friend it's not us who needs to go do these things it's now you who needs to go do these things and the whole point of this story and this conversation was being a follower of Jesus and leading people is not about having all of the answers that they don't have and saying you need to hold back and wait before you're beneficial or worth, worthy of doing something you just need to be one chapter ahead of the person who you're walking with right? You're still trying to figure things out. You're still humbly following Jesus to go where he leads you. We're following the same God who has the answers and strength to produce change in our life. I just need to be a a chapter ahead, just a little bit ahead and say, come with me. I'll go with you while you go pray for your friend, but you should be the one who goes and prays. And I started thinking about that. If we really focus on this idea of mentoring, where it's really about me taking notes and trying to take the life application lessons, it's kind of the same way we see the church working. We see a church across town who started doing this new program. And wow, that's really going well. So maybe we should take some notes and try to implement that same thing in our lives and make that exact same change and do those exact same things and hopefully it'll produce the exact same results. If your life, you did these three things, I'm going to let you be my mentor, and now you're giving me those lessons that you're coaching me on how to do these things. Right? And we're going to try to implement this exact same stuff. The problem is, is that for each and every one of us, our relationship and what it means to follow Jesus is not always the same. Do you remember how I said that the word mentor is not actually in Scripture? There's another word that is, it's the word disciple. Right? This word disciple is in there over 260 times. And the word disciple, this is part of what I said we talked about a little bit on Sunday night over at Camp Hunt, really leans into this idea of a cultural understanding that goes over our heads sometimes. Because there were kind of three phases, and we'll get into this more in a few weeks. We're actually going to start talking about some of this stuff a little bit more once Core 52 wraps up. But this idea of discipleship meant that there were... Now, let me explain this first. There were three phases of school. The little kid who's just brand new, up to 12 years old, is getting sent off to school, right? They're going to grade school. And everything they do, they're using the first five books of Scripture, the Torah. How many of my kids have already started school this week and are already a little bored with, like, math and science? Anybody? Any of you all ever read, like, uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? Adults? Yeah. How many of you ever, like, fall asleep trying to read through those books when you're trying to do, like, a year reading plan? It's hard, right? Everybody under the age of 12 who's going to grade school and working on math and science and all those things that are already hard for us to get excited about, they're using the first five books of the Bible to study those things. And the goal at the end of your time in that school is to have those five books memorized. Yay, right? Sounds exciting? Like we have a hard enough time reading them once a year. They have to memorize them as young kids and these are the texts that are being used to teach them. Now once you finish up, most of the kids are going back to work in the home life and with their family and they're not investing that much more. But there are bright students who need to go on. And so between the ages of 12 and 15, these kids, they've risen to be kind of some of the cream of the crop and they're gonna study even further and they're gonna have the entirety of what we know as the Old Testament memorized. And they're going to continue to study it and wrestle with it and learn that much more about it. And they're like the serious ones. And by the age of 15, those who are really invested and pouring into this and haven't gone back to become fishermen yet or whatever carpenters or whatever else dad did at home, they're pouring into the scriptures to become people who better understand it. And by 15, if they risen to the top of that group, it is possible that they could then interview with a rabbi. And as they interview with a rabbi, there's a chance that rabbi is going to grill them. He's going to really put them through their paces. He's going to make them go through everything. But if they succeed in that, there's an opportunity that he might offer for them to become one of his followers, one of his kind of disciples, this word that really, we, we use the word disciple, and we have a lot of baggage and stuff that comes with that because of our years in church. We might think of many other things. Just Really think of it as this idea of an apprentice, You are going to follow me everywhere I go, just like I followed Tom that day, right? You're going to watch what I do, you're going to hear what I say, and you're going to learn from everything I do because you're always going to be right by my side and right behind me. There was this phrase in that culture that says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because dusty roads and travel, may you be covered in his dust because you are following so closely behind them that everything he does comes back and covers you. And you become just like him. You see, Paul wrote another letter to this group in, Corinthian, or in Corinth, the Corinthians. And he's talking to them about what they eat and being. He says, not all things are, he um, goes, all things are lawful, but not all things are advisable. And he's trying to help them understand what to do in terms of like, if they go to someone's house living in the culture they're in, and somebody puts food in front of them, that has been sacrificed to other idols. And he says, if they just put food in front of you, you should be respectful and eat it. And he says, however, if they specifically tell you this is offered to other idols, you should turn it down. Because now you are trying to protect, honestly, their well-being versus your own. It's not about whether you have broken or followed a rule. It's about how you've helped them understand what it means to follow. And he's going through this whole thing at the end of chapter 10. And eventually he says, it doesn't matter what you eat or what you drink, whether you wear Whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for Christ. Your life is about following him. And he starts chapter 11, because we put the chapter markers in place, and ends this thing with this statement. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I'm trying to teach you how to live in the culture you're living. Your goal is to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Be like me, because I'm trying to be like him. As I follow him, we're all following together. What that does is say, hey, listen, we are all on this journey, and there are moments that are going to be different for each of us. I don't know what it's like to have walked in your shoes because what you've experienced may be different than what I've experienced. I had some stuff to offer that kid that I was mentoring in college, but honestly, some of the stuff he was walking through was just different. The circumstances were different. And I could encourage him based on what I knew about Scripture, and I could be a help to him, which was good but to say I know exactly what you should do? I don't. And there was this pressure on me to feel like I had to have the answers. And when we talk about this relationship as mentor-mentee, we sometimes put all this unnecessary pressure in the mix that makes us feel like there's no way I could mentor someone. There's no way I could be a leader. There's no way that I could live up to the expectations that people were looking to me for answers. Remember, you only have to be a chapter ahead and you really only need to make sure that your first goal and intention and purpose is to follow Christ. The other word that gets used a lot in Scripture well over a hundred times is this other word that kind of calls people in to an enduring relationship. It's this word that gets used a lot in the book of John and other places. It's an invitation to enter into an enduring relationship. Come follow me. Come walk with me. Be in this relationship. I told you about a couple of guys in my life who invited me along in certain moments or just let me be around in certain moments. But there's another guy who I always think of when you ask me about who made an impact on my life and who influenced me. His name's Chip. You guys have heard me talk about Melvin Jean possibly before. He goes by Chip. Um, But Chip is just 10 years older than me. That seemed like a lot more when I was in high school uh, than it does now. Um, But in the midst of things, Chip was just relatively new out of college. Chip was just starting his career, just starting his family, he'd been married. I was in youth group when they had their first son, Evan, who is now married, and somebody I text all the time, like good friend. Like it's just weird how time goes on and how everything works. But Chip is somebody I always think about because what was going on in my life in high school was just kind of like trying to figure out where does my life fit in with my faith? What is God trying to do in my life? Where does he want me to go? what's he want me to do? And honestly, Chip was kind of in a relatively similar spot. He was a new, new in his career. He was new in his marriage. But what Chip was doing for the first time in his life was really studying God's word and falling in love with it. He wasn't a Bible scholar. He didn't have a degree in that. He was working in the administrative offices at Indiana State University, where he still works today. And in the midst of him falling in love with God's word, he invited some high school kids to come along with him. He willingly, humbly served as a youth pastor for a group of like four or five students. There were only like four or five of us at the time. It wasn't a very exciting Wednesday night group at times. Until Chip was just really getting wound up about the word. And he was learning what God wanted to teach him. And he said, hey, I want to share this with you. I'm super excited about what I've been learning. And all of a sudden, so were we. Whoa, that's what that says? I never saw it like that before. And the more he got excited and shared, the more we got excited and shared to the point where we said, can we do this more? Can we, like, get together more? Like, can we tag along with you in more relationship? And Chip humbly and willingly said, yeah, come along. Let's spend more time together invited us into a deeper relationship, invited us into his home, let us take over his living room on Thursday nights when he's trying to get his brand new son to go to bed. And I still remember Evan pop, popping his head around the corner at times. Like, as you know, your kid doesn't always want to go to bed, especially when there's a house full of people. And I think about those seasons and those times and having now gone through those things where he just willingly let us in and kept sharing what he was excited about. And that's all that was going on there. There wasn't any degree, there wasn't any education beyond that. He was a chapter or two ahead of us. And as he read and learned and was excited, he just shared it. Of that group of four or five, suddenly there were a bunch of passionate people who were really excited and growing and learning. And they started making sure that everybody they knew was invited on this journey. And so we started inviting and we started sharing and we started inviting and we started sharing. And we're telling other people and we are now studying. And we are growing, and we're now coming back to Chip, and we're offering him some of the stuff we learned. And now we're collectively learning in a group. And there are times he was in a different chapter ahead of us, and we were over here in this chapter. And we're mutually sharing together, and we're praying for each other. And the relationship wasn't so much about us going, Chip, you have all the answers. Please teach us all of your infinite wisdom. To this day, we would all still kind of laugh at that statement because we have that kind of relationship, Right? But a bunch of us, we're growing and learning together and we're friends and in relationship and walking and following Jesus together. The invitation was come follow me as I follow Jesus. When we talk about getting serious in our walk and in our faith, it's not about having all the answers. It's not making sure that you have a guru. It's learning everything you can and inviting someone on the journey to walk that road with you. And when we do that, We're offering up an invitation to this enduring journey. I encourage you to find some people who you really value their voice and what they're learning and how they're growing. They may not have all the answers. They may not even be older than you. But you're excited about what they're learning and how they're seeing, and you know you have something to gain from them. It's interesting, for some of us it's hard because we don't want to be seen as lesser than. We don't want others to think less of us because we don't have answers, because we don't have the knowledge. We're afraid of what people will see we don't know. And we just forget that all of us have gaps in our knowledge. All of us have gaps in our behavior. All of us have gaps that we're trying to fill in and do our best to press on towards that goal like Paul said. And if we are just relaxed and allowing ourselves to walk in that, and be okay with that, we understand that sometimes people are going to speak truth into our life that hurts a little bit. There's a show I like. I'm not telling you you should go watch it. One of my favorite shows, but the language is a little much because it takes place in Britain, and they, some of them just talk different than we do. Um, there's this show called Ted Lasso. It's about this American guy who goes over to coach soccer, and in the midst of him coaching soccer, he knows nothing, but he's passionate about being a coach. And so the whole theme of this show is realizing that you don't have to have the knowledge of what everybody thinks you're there to teach. Like he says, it's not about wins and losses for me. It's about making these guys the best versions of themselves that they can be and walking through that with them. So there's a beautiful theme that we use throughout. I wish the language was a little easier because I would have absolutely used a clip if I could have, but I can't. So in the midst of that, I get a screenshot. (laughs) And there's this great moment where he's speaking to this therapist and he's talking to her about this whole idea and she's saying she can be his mentor she goes well I can't be your mentor without occasionally being your tormentor right whenever we open ourselves up to this kind of relationship where we're following other people walking in this journey it's gonna bring about moments where people are gonna say things that are truth that hurt and make us not feel good she has another little line that I'll tweak just ever so slightly that's like the truth will set you free but it'll really make you mad first, right? In the midst of this relationship, in the midst of this walk, we have to realize that we are not complete. We have a long way to go. That does not give us an excuse not to invite people along in the journey with us. We do not have to have all the answers to see the kingdom grow. Remember I mentioned Chip and four or five students. Some of you haven't heard this before. Eventually that story goes into a place where there's eventually like nights where there's 40 or 50 high school students at church and like 20 adults, to the point where the adults suddenly go, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the the youth group's been doing like a Thursday night prayer meeting, we're taking notes, Uh, maybe we should start a Thursday night prayer meeting, and they did, (laughs) like, it's one of those moments where all of a sudden the adults in the church were looking at what was going on in the student ministry and trying to follow it. Paul also writes these words to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're younger, right? (laughs) Right? We all have something to offer each other. We all have ways we can be growing. The question is, are we pursuing Christ and his ways and the truth that will set us free and work us into who it is we should be? Are we working just to keep studying and keep growing so we're always just a little bit ahead? And are we inviting someone along who we think could benefit from the growth that we're experiencing? That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, someone who is passionately following him and inviting others along in that journey. We are trying to become like him and inviting others along the way. In that, we become mentors, whether we are meant to intentionally or not. Hopefully we find people in our community who are helping us grow, whether it was intentional or not. But I think we have to put our energy and effort into growing in his word and growing in his community. If we want to achieve the things he's called us to, there has to be an intentionality in how we focus on him and how we focus on community and relationship with each other. It's going to help us succeed in this concept of mentoring each other. Make sense? Let's bow our heads if we would. Father, I just simply pray today that in the midst of our conversations, in the midst of the next moments, that you would remind us of people who made impacts, people who offered us relationship and invitation. There's so many people in this world I've heard stories over and over again preparing for this of people who have folks in their churches or in their places who want desperately for people to be mentoring others. There's calls for ministries in our area who really are putting out a call to find men who are of a certain age who would be willing to just walk alongside of other people. In relationship and it's just so hard for them to find people because we just don't feel emboldened to do what you've called us to do because we've put a bunch of expectation and a bunch of unrealistic thoughts into what it means to lead others but father I pray that you would help us to realize that each of us has been called to make disciples that your great commission your commandment that you left us as you ascended into heaven was go and make disciples and so, Father, I pray that you would help us to realize the importance of this aspect of who we are, not to muddy it down with the wrong words, but to passionately chase after the goals of what it means to see your kingdom grow. And so, Father, I pray you'd give us strength and boldness as we pray today. I pray you'd help us think about those who influenced us and give you thanks and praise for them. But I also pray, Father, that you would help us to humbly surrender ourselves and say, who's someone I could just invite on the journey? That doesn't mean invite to church, but maybe it just means invite out to coffee and have a conversation with, so I can share with them what I'm learning. Father, pray that you lead us and guide us to the people we need to make an impact on in our lives and just invite them into an enduring relationship where they walk and have conversations with us along the way. We love you, we trust you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray.